All right, can you hear me still? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, we're good to go. All right, good afternoon. My name is Jason Rusk, and I'm speaking today with Rebecca Eloisi, the Vice President for Marketing for George Washington's Mount Vernon. Hello, Rebecca. How is your day going? It's going great. How is yours so far? Well, thank you. All right, thanks for joining me today. If you're ready, mm -hmm. let's go ahead and get started. Yep, I'm ready when you are. All right, first question. As the Vice President for Marketing, what are some of your main job duties? Well, I think different organizations uh, define the marketing function a little bit differently, but for me specifically here at Mount Vernon, I, uh, I oversee all advertising, whether that's print or whether that's digital or physical in the outside world. Um, public relations and anything on the media relations side, um, social media, as well as promotions, uh, ticketing partnerships with other um, with other uh, sales organizations, um, and we also encompass graphic design, branding, in uh, most of the publications uh, pieces that we produce on behalf of Mount Vernon. Wow, that's quite an array of duties. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> I have lots of hats. <laughs> yeah. All right. How does your background in education help you to be successful in your current position at Mount Vernon? Uh, well, my background, uh, I, I uh, actually have a, 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 my undergrad degrees are in Spanish and linguistics, which don't have much to do with what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis here. I do have a master's in marketing, um, an MBA, uh, which probably helps me more from the academic front. But really, I think the work experience I've, um, I've acquired over the years has been uh, very focused on, on storytelling, on working with people, on connecting people with content. Um, and on uh, sharing interesting events and happenings. Um, I've spent my entire career in the tourism industry, um, earlier with uh, Washington, D.C.'s tourism office, trying to encourage people to visit the nation's capital and giving them a variety of reasons to do so, um, working with media and uh, both from a paid and from an organic perspective to try to gain additional exposure and awareness, both of all the great things that Washington, D.C. had to offer as well as um, the importance of the tourism industry. So I see kind of what I do at Mount Vernon to be quite similar. So I think it's all a matter of um, finding interesting stories and good content, great pictures, cool videos, finding the people that they're going to resonate with and helping to make a connection and ultimately build an easy uh, way for somebody who does find that interesting uh, to um, interact with it in a more meaningful way, whether that means uh, posting or sharing uh, some social content that they find or um, purchasing a ticket to come and see Mount Vernon for themselves or to attend one of our special events, or ultimately in the perfect world, uh, becoming a member, becoming a donor um, and uh, supporting us in a, in a grander that way, that way. Or from the media perspective, um, using the opportunity to, to share that with a wider audience, whether you're with CBS or Washington Post or uh, Huffington Post or, or what have you. Interesting. Just a little side question here. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you feel do you feel like a master's in marketing is the base level of where you want to be to continue in a career, uh, sort of like you are? Uh, you know, I don't know that I I, I don't think that an, an additional an additional degree would probably help me. I do think that the world is changing rapidly, and keeping up with the latest uh, technologies and trends and platforms is really important. So. I wouldn't see myself academically going back for another um, um, professional degree, but I do certainly hope to continue my education on with the uh, with the new tools and platforms that are available that frankly weren't you know when I was finishing school several years ago. Yeah, very very good. That actually leads into my next question too. So, mm -hmm. as a degree in marketing may not necessarily equate to the growing social media presence, what experience with social media social media did you possess prior to Mount Vernon? 
You know, I don't. I didn't have a lot of experience with it, to be honest, because social media. If you look back, I've been at Mount Vernon for five years now, and uh, five years ago it was just just getting started, really. So aside from some personal use, and we had just started to dip our toes in the water in my in my formal former life at um, at Destination DC, maybe a year or so onto the the main platforms of Facebook and Twitter at the time. So it was really kind of uncharted territory, and I think you know that's one of the big evolutions I've seen in my time here is that it. We really have become hugely important marketing and communications channels. Um, that's where so many people are going for their news and their information and to insert ourselves into what they're seeing and what they're responding and what they're talking about is um, is becoming incredibly important. And we're starting to see those really turn into um, powerful sales channels for us as well. Um, with our social posts, we're able to to tag them so we can see what happens when somebody, you know, clicks on a post or goes to visit our website because of the content that they saw. And we're looking more and more and seeing people not only, um, you know, spend more time on the site than uh, we might have thought otherwise, um, but also ultimately purchase tickets to events or buy things from the shops and really, really realizing that these are um, just really, really important ways to bring people into the site. Um, and then they also, once they're a uh, part of our, um, once they visited the site, we're able to track them a little bit more and, you know, do some of the creepy advertising things that, that we uh, we love as marketers. We may not like so much as consumers, but, to, you know, to continue to follow people and uh, try to hit them with uh, advertising messages at other places on the web. So I think, you know, really it's uh, it's become, when in the time I've been um, working with the channels here at Mount Vernon, it's become much more, more than just, a, you know, another way to share information. It's really becoming a very powerful marketing and sales tool. It is incredible the way it's picked up over the years. Just in yeah, my it's, it's over so different. <laughs> yeah, my you know I've been at Mount Vernon just over three and a half years now, and just from then okay. I've realized uh, quite a bigger presence of social media. And like you mentioned, you've been there five years, and it was just starting. So it's incredible how much it has grown. It has, and you know, not only from our perspective as an organization, but you look at and you see this, no doubt much more than I do, that nobody's walking onto the estate without you know a smartphone on their hands, and they're using it to to share where they're at, to take pictures, to, to do a whole lot more than make an emergency phone call, you know. And so that's, that's I think, the big frontier is how do, we get, how do we get more of that and how do we get ourselves into, you know, more of those um, what's happening here and uh, um, build that connection stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. So moving on to the next question. How many people are currently working with the social media outlets for your site? That's a that's a loaded question, I guess, because I, uh, several of us in the marketing and new media teams are set up as admi- uh, as administrators. So, you know, at a moment's notice, any of us could go in and post a status or add a photo or something like that. We don't do that because, you know, we find ourselves uh, we're trying to we do try to have some substance and strategy behind uh behind what we do and when we do it, and how we do it. Um, but we do have uh, primarily it's uh We've had a communications position that has overseen the social channels. We're actually uh, doing a bit of restructuring to have a full-time person that will, whose job will be, you know, exclusively, almost exclusively, um, managing social media here because it has become such a such an undertaking. Um, but uh, right now, there are, I'd say, probably three to five of us who are, are routinely involved in it. Um, Amy Kirst, our digital marketing manager, works with the paid side of social media, so she's in charge of running our Facebook advertising campaigns and anything that's got sort of more of a commerce message. Um, Melissa Wood and, and myself and um, our communications position that's, uh, that's vacant right now really are driving the train on the content and what we're putting out. 
but we're working closely with the new media team as far as what new website pages they're creating that they think might have some energy. Um, Rob Schenk is involved um, a lot in terms of what ideas we want to put forward or what we're seeing trending to try to, you know, capitalize on what's uh, what's in the news and what's out there. Um, and of course, we lean very heavily on our on our content um, creators, if you will, the folks in preservation and archaeology and collections um, in the library that are really the subject matter experts and who can really help us um, tell good stories and put out information that's both engaging and accurate. So it's very much a team effort. So those, those folks there is basically designing content and uh, what it might be, might just post it. So you get your information from other departments as far as what to post mm -hmm. exactly? Yeah, we typically work about, which we do, which we, we, in a perfect world, and again, we've been sort of in a staffing flux right now, but in a perfect world where we'll have, um, we work about two weeks out longer in terms of planning, but in terms of actually tactically coming up with what we're going to post and when. Um, and to do that, we're looking at what anniversaries are coming up, what special events do we want to promote, you know, if it's the, the first day of fall or if it's, you know, National Pumpkin Day or if there's some sort of, you know, holiday or observance or topic that we might want to latch on to is, you know, is it the Olympics or is that, you know, the presidential debates or, you know, what, what, what's happening in the news that might be timely or, or relevant? Or um, what are some new pages we've created on the website? What's something new we've taken photos of that we could highlight? Um, really trying to put together um, not just what's new, but also what's popular, you know, and um, we try to cycle back periodically just to pages on the website that get a lot of traffic and our people really seem to like the virtual tour or the 10 facts about Washington and his presidency. That's It's not really new content, but, um, you know, our audience grows, it changes, Facebook decides what you see when you see it, so chances are we could put it out there and you may... We may hit a whole bunch of other people that, that hadn't seen it before. So um, I think just constantly looking at what's uh, what's doing well, what's getting some good reach and good exposure, and what's uh, um, what's coming up, what holidays are coming up, what observances are coming up, what anniversaries are coming up that we that we can kind of weave our message into. Yeah. But we typically work week, about two weeks out, and then you know obviously now we're. We're talking about the presidential elections. We're talking about Christmas. We may not be posting about them right now, but we're, we're trying to think, you know, what pages do we have on our site that we'd want to spotlight? What assets do we have or could we get together in time um, so that there's not a mad scramble to, you know, at the, at the, at the tail end to try to figure something out to, to tie into these, these things that happen. And then, of course, along the way, we flex. If something happens in the world that becomes more interesting, then we just go through our, our schedule and, and adjust accordingly. Yeah, definitely. It probably has to be a, a really fluid situation, so you, you don't want to miss out on any uh, potential audience grabs. Like you need to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, quite frankly, I'm sure we do all the time. But you know, we just try to be as as agile as we can be, knowing that it's right now it's one of uh, um, many things that many of us are doing. So it's it, we we can't always be quite as surprised as we'd like to, but hopefully we'll get to continue to improve in that on that front. Right. That uh, I know. I've noticed we you have restructured and you are hiring a social media coordinator so that just mm -hmm. kind of goes into what we said about how important social media has become yeah it's it's for you know for the time i've been here it's always been sort of the um plus one responsibility to somebody who already has a a, a job but you know the reality is is it changes constantly and it's moving all the time and uh it is becoming you know such an important conduit to reach people that um we need to be better positioned to react and uh, move quickly. So hopefully with a full-time position um, focused on that, we'll be in a position to do that better. Yeah, definitely. That would uh, certainly be the, the goal, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
So the next one, uh, what are your thoughts, if you have any, on how different historic sites should use social media? Yeah, well, I think uh, the one thing that's really well, – there's many things that are great about it, but I think it, um, you know, historic sites might have the reputation of being – of being dusty, of being staid, of being boring, of being old-fashioned. But when you throw in vibrant imagery or great video or just cool, fun facts in a very digestible fashion, you know, you can certainly do that with social media. And I think that's where we've been really able to shine, and um, hopefully other sites will will do the same or are doing the same. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember uh, just last year, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we had the, the big push to get to, uh, was it 100,000 followers, I believe? On we had some some push to get to a certain amount of followers on one of our social media platforms. It's just within the last year and a half, I believe it was. Uh, so move on to my next question. Uh, what could you tell me is the social media strategy of Mount Vernon? Are you there, Rebecca? Rebecca, are you with me? Rebecca? Are you with me? Okay, so we were talking about strategy, right? Yeah, that was my next question. What's the social media strategy of Mount Vernon? Okay, so I, I think I was starting to say that we look at it as a way to share our content. Um, obviously, we have a, great, a lot of content, a lot of great content here, um, in order to grow our audience. Um, and that means thinking about you may not be coming to us because you're interested in history or interested in presidents, but you might be interested in in gardens, you might be interested in, you know, animals and some of the other ways, whiskey, some of the other ways that um, we can bring you into the fold and introduce you to the to the content. And social media gives us a lot of great flexibility to be able to do that. Um, so really supporting our strategic goal of growing our audience. We also use it as a way to um, to uh, balance. We try to you know strike a balance of what's timely and topical, as we were saying, what's historical to fulfill our educational myth message and ultimately what's going to drive our business needs. So we, we know that the platforms don't allow us to, or they don't really um, encourage us to be overly promotional all the time. You know, I'll put out a post about a historical anniversary that gets a whole lot more reach than one that says, get your wine festival tickets here. You know, they're, they're designed to support the idea of sharing content. So we, we have to play within their, their bounds, but we also do have our own business needs to promote. So we look for how we can do that. Um, 
it's also important for us that we track what we do. So as I was saying, if we're selling tickets, we want to make sure we have a link embedded that will allow us to track um, how many tickets we actually sell from that. It will allow us to retarget to people that clicked on the content but maybe didn't make a purchase. So really thinking through what the whole um, channel is. Um, we also want to make sure that the experience you have when you click on one of our posts is as good as it can be. So we don't want to, to have you look at a really cool picture and have it not land you somewhere that's interesting. Um, or if you go to a page, we want to make sure that there's something that can inspire you, you to act in a deeper way, whether it's to sign up for our newsletter, or make a donation, come to an event, whatever. We want to make sure that we're putting lots of messages that are um, important and relevant in front of you, and then you know, we look and see what, you're, what you do. So it's a, it's a, you know, we use it as a way to, to spotlight. You know, I think we, we think it's important to spotlight um, some of the content that we're creating that is really performing well, um, and what's, what's new, and what, how we're continuing to evolve, which keeps us relevant and helps um, uh, really uh, fuel the, our, our strategic priority to ensure that Washington stories are being told and that we continue to be relevant and part of the, part of the cultural thread. Right, definitely. We, we were talking about uh, engagement in our classes a few weeks ago, and that's what you just said. Like, you want to keep the customer, the guest, engaged with making it that they want to do more research, they want to look into it. Yeah, if, they, if you get them, if you get them interested enough to look at something and click at something, you don't want the next two steps in the in the process to be boring or to not, you know, help advance you in some way. If they, you know, choose to read a couple lines and then drop off, that's great. But why not use the opportunity to try to get them to sign up for our newsletter or to, you know, come to the wine festival or whatever we're trying to promote at the moment? Right. Absolutely. That's very interesting. Um, yeah, I'm sure very important. Right. So the next question here is, how did Mount Vernon decide on which sites to become active on? You know, Facebook, Twitter, mm -hmm. Instagram, uh, and that's the only ones I know of. Is there anything else social media-wise that we take part in? Uh, yeah, we we uh, um, we have a presence on. I should say we've sort of staked out our territory on Pinterest. We don't do a lot with the boards there. We have a YouTube channel. Um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter have been the um, most uh, the, the most important platforms that we've spent the most time on. And really, that's been a function of where um, where we think our audience is, and where we've with limited staff and limited bandwidth, where we've been able to um, focus our attention. So. Um, Facebook we continue to see is extremely important. We have a big audience there and we see what they do. We see, you know, a, a very successful Facebook post will drive a lot of traffic to our website. Some of our most um, successful um, events advertising efforts are done through Facebook ads. So we really just see a lot of power and potential in that channel. Um, Instagram is great for branding and awareness. Um, it doesn't usually result in ticket sales and conversions. So. It's a newer channel for us, but it's one that we think um, is definitely, you know, important with the younger people especially. So it's one that we'll be continuing to put some attention on. Um, haven't really done much with Snapchat, or I guess it's Snap now, um, or some of the other uh, newer platforms with a person on board to focus on it full time. You know, we may decide there is a good strategy play for us, but um, I don't know what that is just yet. So, um, you know, generally it's when you when you don't when you've got limited resources, you feed the you feed the ones that are most likely to result in some good returns, so that's where we focused our attention. Right, and Facebook is, uh, as far as what I've studied, the, the most used, the most looked at of all of them mm -hmm. at this point. So that's probably a, that's definitely a good way to go. Yeah, and I think also just of the people that we're talking to, that we know that you know most of our many of our ticket purchasers are are women. They're in the age group that 
is, uh, you know, Facebook's sort of target. So we know that's sort of where our audience is also. And mobile is huge, and we, you know, are able to um, do quite well with some of our promotional efforts on Facebook and, and on mobile in particular. Yeah, how would you say that the different platforms uh, work together or against each other? Mm -hmm. Well, we try to, um, you know, I know that there are some sciences and some strategies behind altering your message a lot for the different audiences. You know, we, we know that our, our Facebook base, fan base skews a little more female. It skews a little bit older. Twitter is a little bit more male. It's a little bit younger. Um, so really our biggest limitations and our biggest changes are, you know, the obviously the ones that are forced by the platform. We have shorter text to work with with Twitter, so we, you know, obviously can't say as much as we can on Facebook. Um, and we also tend to look at Facebook as sort of our, our where we have our marquee messages. We know it's going to get, um, if we've got something little to promote that we just need to sort of give a little love to, we can easily slide it into um, a Twitter queue. Facebook, we try to keep our post posting frequency to no more than three times a day um, at the most, just uh, so as to, you know, make our, let our messages get out appropriately and, and be paced appropriately. Twitter moves a little bit faster, so we can move a little bit faster with it as well. So um, we try to be thoughtful about that. Um, again, going back to our you know planning calendar, if we we're working a couple weeks in advance, we have a pretty good idea of what we're going to promote on Facebook, um, Twitter. We may you know slide in some new things as they come through. Um, sometimes we'll get handed a you know we need to push this or we need to promote this, and it's easier for us to sort of squeeze it into. Twitter if it's not something we feel like we need to really rebuild the schedule around for Facebook, if that makes sense. Yeah, and then Instagram, kind of. you know, Instagram, since it skews a little younger, we tend to push the envelope a little bit more there. We might put something that's a little more witty and irreverent um, on Instagram than the other channels, but um, we try to be a little more straight-laced on Facebook and, and uh, Twitter for the most part. We also think about, like, who our users are in terms of, um, like, with uh, Twitter, the uh, we have a lot of, we have media, we have academics, we have a lot of researchers, those sorts of people tend to um, follow us a little more actively on Twitter. So, you know, being mindful of what might be more interesting to them. Okay, great. That actually kind of leads into what I was going to say next is uh, just as a follower of all three myself, I've noticed information when it, when need when it needs to be altered for each account. We don't always post the exact same thing on all three accounts. Right? No, we don't always. I mean sometimes it's a function of just again our, our staff bandwidth that it's easier to come up with. You know, the themes for today are Germantown and Fall Harvest Family Days. Let's tweak the message for the outlets as opposed to really, you know, deep diving deep into the woods of what uh what might be a slightly more effective phrasing or, you know, tags that we should be should use and um, you know, people that we should um, DM with our tweets or whatever, but you know, again, when we have somebody that's manning the train full time, we may we may go to a little bit further into those territories, but we haven't right now. Yeah, that's that's got to be exciting for you to think that that's a possible going forward when you get your new uh, coordinator here. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I think, we're hopeful that that person can really, uh, you know, help uh, just blow these channels out of the water and really make them work for us in the best possible way. Right. All right, what is the ultimate goal that Mount Vernon wants to see from their social media outlets? Uh, you know, I think, uh, again, just going back to we've got our strategic priorities of growing our audiences and, and, and telling great stories, and social media really allows us to do both. So I think getting the audience to continue to grow, but not just grow in terms of 
sheer numbers of followers and fans, but to grow in terms of the, the reach that we're getting through our posts and the engagement we're getting. And then ultimately, hopefully, if, um, if all is right in the world, that's driving you know, additional traffic to the website, it's driving additional ticket purchases, donations, um, just general interest and awareness um, in the topic. So I think you know, we're frequently, you'll hear Washington's name pop up around presidential elections and want to make sure that people are who are searching for content or looking for interesting ways to, to talk about those topics or to um, intersperse those topics into media discourse or whatever that that we come up um, as part of it, which really feeds the whole relevancy and you know keeping uh, Washington's uh, legacy uh, stronger than ever is uh, really comes into play. So you know ultimately all of our marketing channels are here to to build awareness and ultimately awareness should drive attendance and should. Um, you know, increase sales at the shops, increase sales at the inn, increase the, all of our powers, uh, if you will. So um, the bigger that we're, the more we're able to feed them and the, the stronger we're able to make them. Um, you know, I think that's the better um, better off we are. And certainly I think the other piece that, that social media really lends itself to is that the it may be very daunting for somebody to, to read a 300-page historic, you know, tome by one of the great authors that come here for book talks. But watching a you know, two-minute interview with that author or reading a quick web article or going through a photo slideshow. You know, it's a way for people to learn and to engage with content without asking a big investment of their time. Um, if they're able to pick a few nuggets up and you know, learn something interesting that sparks them to, to try to find out more or just you know, at least educates them a little bit, then I think we've, uh, we've accomplished something good. Yeah, I love that example right there because uh, many people that I know would much prefer to watch a few-minute video clip than to uh, sit and read a 300-page book. I think that's a exactly. great analogy there. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. All right, my next question is uh, splitting the audience. Why split the audience into various social media accounts, like I've noticed at Mount Vernon, at GW Books? Like what organizational or other reasons were behind that strategy? Uh, it's a, I'd say uh, some of it's you know, sort of inner organizational. Um, you know, there's legacy pieces, there's political pieces, there's we're all users of um, of social channels, so we all think about our audiences and how we would want to maximize the efforts there. So, in the case of GW Books and the just the at Mount Vernon channel, um, GW Books is the library and the um, and the education team's channel. They use it to put out a lot of more education-focused content. Their their audiences are largely researchers, editors, scholars, those kind of people that you know might be would be interested and in respond to those those sorts of topics. Um, their immediate customers are also very avid users of the platform, so they use it routinely with teachers in classrooms and with just sort of that level of um, real-time, 24-7 engagement that we frankly don't do with the Mount Vernon handle. We're more about just pushing out information and sharing whatever is, uh, the messages are. You know, again, that might change when we have somebody more focused on the, on the, on the, on the channel, but you know, I think really it speaks to the difference in the audience. Um, I think Twitter is a little more forgiving to have multiple um, channels out there because you just see a lot more of that with, with, with brands and with businesses than you do with some of the other platforms. So we, you know, we, we know that maybe it's not the best practice, but it's, uh, it's, not, it's something that as long as the channels are being used and people are responding and engaging with them, you know, it's not, um, we don't see it as a huge problem. We don't want a proliferation of, you know, every, uh, every department right. and every uh, um, organization, but where it makes sense, you know, it, it can make sense. Right, and the, the other part of that question, which you kind of answered the pros part with uh, noting that scholars and educators are more likely to follow GW books and reply there. 
uh, is what are what are the pros and cons of that approach? But you kind of already mentioned the pros. Do you see any cons with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's always cons. I, you know, I think you run the risk of splitting your audience, um, or you know, give it sending out very similar messages to uh, um, to the same audience. You know, if the library tweets something about an anniversary, and we tweet a couple minutes later about the same anniversary, you know, it it, it can come off as you know uncoordinated, because it probably was uncoordinated, <laughs> frankly. Um, you know, there's also like if there's news to be broken, if you know some major discovery, major acquisition, or something, you know, you. We, you don't want to scoop each other. You want to be coordinated on that front. Um, you know, I think there's also uh, because of the just the immediacy of response. If somebody is sending the same question to to two different channels, and if both channels do respond, if they don't respond consistently, you know, there's a there's some some possible challenges there. So I think uh, you know we we try to stay coordinated. We follow each other and. Again, things move in real time and things move fast, so it's uh, always a always a risk that something is gonna get out in a way that you wouldn't want it to get out. So, yeah, of course, I I didn't realize that uh, that was taken care of by them. So it is a step that you have to keep in touch for sure. Mhm. Mm All right. Nope. On to the next one. In your opinion, are there enough posts being made day to day on each different account? I think um, I think Facebook. We typically, I think I mentioned, we typically stick to two to three a day, which is for everything I've heard and everything I've read and what I can see is about the the, the most that you'd want to put out. Um, and Facebook people will tell you that as well. You don't want to do a whole lot more than that. Um, Twitter, I think you can. It does move fast, so you can be a little more rapid fire and a little bit quicker. So, you know, perhaps if we had um, when we have somebody who's more actively on top of the channels in real time, then maybe that's one that we could post more to. Instagram, I know we could post more to. It's a um, it's, it's a little more challenging to weave it into the uh, the dashboards that we're using and just to you know have the the pieces. So you've got to um, the scheduling isn't quite as easy and as clean, and the um, ability to to post um, and to to plan it isn't as, as easy to calendar out. But that's definitely an area that we will plan to be putting more focus on. Not just putting up our own pictures, but also reposting, you know, re regramming the pictures that other people post and tag to to Mount Vernon or to our hashtags and, you know, trying to build more community in that way. How How is the timing of the post determined? Is there any certain times of day that you find are better than others, or how is that determined? Uh, we typically have followed the formula on Facebook anyway that we post one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Now, in talking with our Facebook, with some Facebook corporate types, they've said they're really it really doesn't matter that much because the Facebook algorithms will will give you the content it thinks you will be most interested in um, through the magic of Facebook uh, when it's available to you. So uh, you've no doubt seen this that you'll get you know a post that was two days ago, but um, it's something that you know somebody a branch you interacted with before or something that's getting a lot of good viral reach. So you know my on this day in history, it may show up two days later too. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> on two days ago in history. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so you know, there's there's a science behind it that makes it less uh, that they're really they'll they'll tell you there really isn't a, a great time to post. Now, now that said, we typically see higher engagement with what we post in the morning than what we post later in the day. But that could also be just sort of a function of us um, posting more engaging stuff in the morning than in the than in the uh, than the afternoon. So. I don't know how much of that is self-inflicted and how much of that is uh, is actual, you know, um, science. 
Twitter again because it moves so quickly. We tend to just post it and schedule, you know, tweet periodically throughout the day and with less uh, science behind it. Twitter moving so quickly is something I've heard quite a bit lately. So that's that must be a basically post whenever you can type of deal. Yeah, I think so, and that's uh, sort of where where we've been with it. That you know you don't want to annoy people or um, overdo it, but uh, you know try to we try to at least get a couple of tweets out each day, and you know we should post on on Instagram at least once or twice a day. But we haven't been as as good at that as we should be, but hopefully we'll uh, we'll be moving towards that direction. And we do okay. use the scheduling program for for Facebook and for uh and for Twitter we use uh, Sprout Social so it allows us to build out the queue and we'll put you know what what we want to what we want to promote the link we want to drive it to what the um picture we want to show or the video clip we want to um insert in there so it allows us to plan it out and we can look at it amongst ourselves make tweaks and then ultimately it'll just it'll just publish and then it's just on us to um keep tabs and if people are commenting or asking questions or whatever we can you know, respond as we need to. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, say it again. Hello? Are you still there? Hello? Hello? Hello, Rebecca. I lost you again. Are you there? I'm here now. <laughs> I had to uh, redial in, so I didn't hear if you answered uh, that other question I asked you about being managed after hours. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, we, I would say managed in the sense that, you know, typically we'll, I mean, I'll typically look at it to see if there's anything very interesting that we need to, to uh, keep up with. Melissa will do the same. Rob will do the same. Um, we don't typically do a whole lot to manage it per se. We just sort of let it sit unless there's something that, you know, requires immediate attention that we happen to catch. Fortunately, you know, we don't do a lot of Terrible reputation management and horrible, you know, time-sensitive things. But we will get we'll get messages sometimes. For example, I'll get a a message from somebody early in the morning that's coming today and has a question about their visit. So those sorts of things we do try to respond to as soon as we see them. Okay. Uh, sorry if you had to answer that twice. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't think I, I don't think I finished answering it anyway, so it's fine. All right. What what trends have you noticed and used in different social media campaigns? Um, you know, I think, again, I can speak mostly to Facebook because that's what we use more often than not. Um, Facebook is definitely favoring video and loves video, so embedding video in Facebook seems to be going really well. Um, Facebook Live, that's something we've done a few times now, and people seem to respond well to that. Um, and I think, you know, generally some of the new uh, just content and both paid and organic features like the slideshows and the carousels and things like that, um, they're fun to play with. They're more engaging. And, you know, I think the more we can give people to interact with um, tends to be the better things things do. Um, I think what we've found in, from an advertising perspective, when, again, I said, as I said, we use Facebook a lot for event advertising, that no matter what we tried to do, um, 
putting pretty pictures of the mansion or, you know, pretty pictures in general, but pretty, in particular pretty pictures of the mansion, that always seems to be the winning formula. So no matter what I try to put out there, people like the mansion and they like it looking pretty. So um, try to try to adhere. You know, it's usually animal, mansion, maybe kids, but generally uh, that's the winning formula. If we steer too far from that, it doesn't do quite as well, it seems. Yeah, interesting. I mean, the mansion is, if you like that, you know, if you wouldn't want Exactly, to exactly. Of course, you know, I want to, from a marketing perspective, I want to encourage people that there's more than the mansion, but I oh, get it. <laughs> it's great. Right. Absolutely. That's what we're coming to see. <laughs> All right, as far as success that Mount Vernon has seen from social media, uh, has it helped to raise awareness of the site in general? Is it boosted daily attendance, uh, helped out, helped sell out special events, or what has it, what success has it seen? Um, I think, you know, we're, we're in a new world of being able to track all of the things that you've mentioned, which are important. You know, I'm sure you follow our, our attendance. I, I, I can't tell you that it's uh, been a drastic influencer in, in uh, um, growing attendance, although, you know, we have been successful in holding our attendance pretty, uh, pretty steady despite increasing competition from everything around us, um, including ourselves, right? So... Um, I think that's that's important, but the, I guess where the biggest wins that we can really um, point our finger on are um, event promotion and advertising for for events. You know, we'll see like events like Summer Escape. Um, we probably sold the bulk of the tickets that we sold through any advertising channel we sold through Facebook, and um, there's no question that it was a hugely powerful force in that. Same with trick or treating. You know, we've sold a thousand, twelve hundred tickets, I think, to um, the Saturday night of trick or treating with no advertising um, until today, actually advertising, paid advertising started today. Um, but a lot of that is coming through just the great energy and traffic we've seen from people uh, liking and sharing on Facebook. And we can see this because we have it you know, tagged in the back end that we can see what happens when people click on that link and then ultimately turn around and buy tickets. So you know, as far as um, just presenting Mount Vernon as a fun, lively, engaging, and entertaining place where cool events happen, you know, I think that's the, the big win that we get um, on those channels all the time. So, so that's good. And I think it's also just good for um, showing that, you know, we have a sense of humor, showing that we um, have really interesting people that work here and do really interesting jobs that we can spotlight um, on, the, on the platforms. Um, that all helps and that um, definitely, definitely is good. Yeah, that's very cool. It's, it's really interesting. You mentioned a few times about uh, being able to see stuff on the back end. That's tracking is that's a very interesting piece. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. We, we do a lot of our website analytics through Google Analytics, which is you know a free service. You just have to work it, I guess. But um, if you put certain codes in the links that you embed in your posts, then you can follow what happens when somebody clicks on that link on Facebook, and we can see what pages they visited, did they ultimately purchase a ticket, and um, follow them that way. So, oh, yeah, and because awesome. of what drives a lot of traffic to our website, we can also do retargeting through that, which is when you see the ads, you know, when you've been on a website and suddenly you see an ad for whatever you visited and they're, you know, they're following you. So we can, we can do that sort of thing. So um, helpful in that sense of just getting traffic and getting awareness that we can turn around and then hopefully turn into um, sales. Yeah, definitely it helps uh, helps target the audience. I would think a little mm -hmm. bit. Absolutely. Yeah, and right. that's the other thing with targeting capabilities are just really, really great. You know, you can talk to you can talk to the people you want to talk to. If I want to find, you know, um, military veterans that live in Northern Virginia and have household incomes of X and children in the household or whatever, then 
I can find them on Facebook in a way that I can't on many, many other platforms. Yeah, that's that's very cool. That's very that's very specific then. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. What are things that you think can be improved with uh, your social media strategy, if anything? Oh, well, there's always something to improve. Um, <laughs> definitely. I think, you know, we've been very good about putting out content, but it's the engagement piece that I want to see us work on more of when certainly with somebody who's able to man the ship a little more in real time, you know, sharing um, sharing other people's Instagram photos, retweeting more, um, connecting with influencers in a more, you know, uh, profound way. You know, let's find the people who are, um, who are the, the active voices on some of the topics that we that we care about and try to find ways to connect with them. I think um, certainly doing more to encourage um, people who visit the estate and come to our events to use hashtags and to post and share what the um, what they're uh, what they're saying and then find ways to make those images more discoverable for them so they can see that hey Mount Vernon retweeted my photo or Mount Vernon, you know, my picture was up on their Instagram page. I think, you know, that sort of validation um, feels good to everybody involved. So I'd like to see us do more of that. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we all want. We all want the retweets and the favorites and that's what we all look for. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good good pat on the back, right? <laughs> Oh, definitely. Right. And I'm very, uh, I'm very excited to see when we get to our new social media coordinator in position how how the engagement changes. That we've talked about it numerous times, and that's, I'm very excited to see how it changes. It. Yeah, me too. I'm hoping that somebody will come in with a lot of great ideas and um, some really fresh thinking and um, good science behind it to make it all come together. So, should be good for us. Yeah, very cool. All right, one last question. So, and. Finally, I, I plan to create a strategy that will hopefully help to boost attendance, attendance and raise general awareness for our distillery and grist mill. Has any specific mm-hmm. approach been taken before to do such a thing for George Washington's not-so-well-known site? Uh, not that I'm aware of, and I think I would be aware. I think you know, we do post periodically on our channels about distilling, about the distillery, uh, and it always, almost always goes, you know, it's, People find it fascinating that we have the site, that this, this process happens. Um, so I think it's, you know, there's a lot of great visuals, a lot of great video that exists, um, and certainly some wonderful storytellers that can tell that story, as you know. Oh, yeah. um, so I think it's great. Yeah, I, I'd love to hear what you come up with and <laughs> something maybe we can put into action. That'd be, a, that'd be wonderful, too. Um, we certainly want people to come and see that story. And um, now that we'll have, you know, um, some, some great ways for them to see the the process actually taking place and take home more whiskey to, to um, as, as souvenirs. You know, I think it's um, there's definitely a lot of good upside for that. So, I'd say aside no. from just posting, you know, routinely about whiskey sales, about distilling, about you know the top facts about the distillery page, um, which always does really well on the on our pages. Um, there's a whole lot more we can do. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, share with you what I come up with at the end of the semester here. Please. All right. Well, that will do it for this interview. Uh, I sincerely want to thank you for your time and look forward to possibly speaking with you again in the future. That sounds great. Well, I look forward to hearing what you come up with. And if you have any other questions, uh, just let me know. All right. Thanks a lot, Rebecca. Have a great day. You too. Thanks.